Back here as we continue on Sports Talk. Excited about our next guest joining us. It's been a little while since we've had him back on the program, but uh, as you might imagine, when the story came out this morning about all the uh, Marlins that had tested positive in addition to the four that had tested uh, the previous days uh, for the virus, it it definitely sent uh, some uh, shockwaves through the baseball and the sports world, which is why I wanted uh, Cody Decker back with us. Uh, who spends half his time in El Paso working for uh, El Paso Board of Youth Athletic Association at the base. He's also the host of uh, Swings and Misses, along with his wife, Jen, and uh, Eddie Pence, which is heard on uh, Radio.com. You know, it used to be where I could just introduce you as a former El Paso Chihuahua, Cody Decker, but now there's just so much more to the job description than than there used to be. It's a mouthful. Oh, I wear many. And all of them fit quite well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Retirement's been very good. Although I did shout out to the Marlins today, saying, "Hey, you know, I got nothing to do this evening. I'll play." When was the last time you were in a cage or in some setting against uh, a 90 mile an hour fastball? Would it be your last game as a member of the Reno Aces? That would have been yesterday against Joe Bimel at uh, the base, actually in El Paso. <laughs> uh, we had, an, nice. we had uh, our indoor summer league and. Joe decided to face the last five guys, and I'm like, you know what? I want to get in the bat in. So I got the bat in, fouled off, had a good at bat. He finally got me with a changeup. Oh, okay. Well, you know what? That that would be a lot of fun. How are things going, by the way, at the base? Since you were just there yet as recently as yesterday, how are things happening? Things are great. You know, we got our indoor league going. Everything that Bimo Elite Athletics is doing too to really improve guys. You know, we're, we're, the, goal, the goal is always the same. Try and get as many guys into, ba- into college through baseball and softball. And we are off to the races, really. The programming has been uh, staggeringly improved. The uh, excitement around the young ballplayers and student-athletes around El Paso is improving. And, you know, we're really we're making some headway. Some guys are drastically improving compared to where they were. So really exciting to see what we can, what, where we're going to be at about six months to a year. The fact that you're navigating through all of this while the pandemic is going on makes it uh, that much more impressive, if you ask me. You know, we, you know, it is an indoor facility, so we have to take as many precautions as possible. It's constantly cleaning. It's constantly, you know, anything as small as, you know, temperature checks to make sure everybody has masks on to making sure that, you know, we're keeping ourselves as distant as possible, uh, working smaller groups, making sure our group numbers are regimented uh, out quite significantly. You know, we, we, we normally would have college prep, we ha- uh, which is a, a program that I help run, where we have 20 guys, but instead we've broken them up into groups of four, and now we work with a group of four at a time throughout the week. And it's been it's been really great. I mean, in fact, it's kind of been a uh it, it, this is not the right way to describe it i can't say this is a blessing in disguise but it's been our our adjustments that we've needed to make has actually helped improve one-on-one um work with certain players you know it gives them a more of an even more of a personal touch i get to spend more time with one guy for an hour and a half as opposed to you know get him in and out of the cage and i got five other guys i got to work with this has actually been quite refreshing and um it's it's great to get back. I just I love I love what we're doing with the El Paso Board of Youth Athletic Association and everything that we've done at the base has just been staggering. 
How's Joe enjoying it? The former big leaguer who uh, came on board with his athletic program and, uh, you know, along with Brent Dean and yourself, the three of you. I, I know Joe's a big fan of El Paso. How's he, how's he enjoying you know, it here? He loves it. His wife loves it. Uh, you know, it, it didn't take much convincing. It took me one day of him bringing bring him to El Paso, and he just immediately said, I get it. I love it. And, uh, you know, you know El Paso. It's, it's a unique city. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. It's just you, you're very hard-pressed to find another place in the country like it. And um, it took no time at all to convince them to fall in love with it. They love it in El Paso. Awesome. Awesome. All right, so the news hits this morning uh, with the Marlins and, and all the uh, the additional tests. What was your reaction when you first heard it? N- not with the, you know, no ounce of surprise. Uh, this was something that was always going to happen. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. Did I expect it to pop up in Game 3? No. Um, I do think the Marlins mishandled this in a way that they need to be held accountable for. Um, reports coming out that yesterday two major infectious disease experts that work for the Marlins both recommended they do not play, and that was with only four players. Um, they needed to go through further testing, not to mention the team they're playing against, which is the Phillies, who had to can who have to cancel today's game against the Yankees? Um, this is a scary time, and and it's also the amount of unknowns that are going on. You've had players who have been asymptomatic who have had COVID, and then you've had players like Freddie Freeman, who you know has been quoted in saying he had a 140 degree temperature and he was praying every night that it didn't take him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now the scary thing, and this was brought up by a lot of different people, is. Um, the Phillies right now and the effect it's going to have on them because the truth is they've tested. We don't know the results yet. And if the tests all come back negative, that's great. But now you wonder if the Phillies have an outbreak, all of a sudden uh, this takes a whole different turn and, and really could ultimately put the future of the baseball season very much in doubt. It could. Um, the good thing is I'm very glad that they've been proactive and canceled the game against the Yankees tonight until they find out better news. Um, if none of them, if they test negative, okay, they can get back on the field and do it. But the Marlins playing yesterday game, yesterday's game was staggeringly irresponsible. They knew of four players. That's just the four they knew about. Now you have another seven that test positive. They have 14 members of the organization that tested positive. And a full lineup, more than nine players testing positive and still being allowed to take in the field is that's staggering that that was allowed to happen. It cannot happen. If, if, we, if we want baseball, and Sean Doolittle said it, and he said it right, baseball and sports are a reward for a functioning society. And if we're not functioning right. properly right now, we shouldn't be having sports. I'm a baseball fan. I want baseball onto my TV as much as anyone in the world, but we have to make sure we're doing it safe. And... To the point, at this point, through the weekend, it looked like we were, but it took three days for one team to be irresponsible and ruin that. So hopefully, hopefully other teams are taking notice and taking every precaution possible. And the fact is this. If you are still playing, and let's say you're on an active roster and you've been following this story, you would figure that enough players would hear this and maybe all of a sudden would treat the season as far as uh, trying to stay isolated and away from everything, uh, maybe even more now than before because they realize the, the, the risks uh, for just themselves and also the, the season and the sport in general. 
Yeah, it's the risks. The reward has at no point outweighed the risk. It really hasn't. Um, I, I'm blown away that we spent three months, you know, rehashing out a deal that was already made in March uh, between the Players Association and the owners. I don't know why that was so heavily. I mean, I know why, but it was completely useless. When And then we spent three days, just three days, putting together the safety protocol. That, that's nonsense. This is, this is a time where safety needs to be first and foremost. No question about it. Make sure the safety is in place. Make sure we have protocols in place. I've, I've talked about it. I think I talked about it on your show at one point. The Korean baseball organization, now Korea has gotten has really done a great job with COVID, so much so that they have fans backing fans now. But they've had a rule in place that if one player comes down with COVID, the entire league shuts down. We don't have that. We're, we're getting a player or two testing positive for COVID almost daily, and now we have the entire lineup of the Marlins testing positive. This is a mess, and hopefully we can isolate those players, get them healthy, and get back to what we're doing, but... Man, if this isn't handled, this league is not going to last three more days. More with Cody Decker as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, let's go to Adrian and get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. We're back with Cody Decker. He joins us here on the program to talk about baseball and the latest news surrounding the Marlins. Two postponements so far today. Three, if you count the rain out between Cleveland and the White Sox. So that one, a little different type of postponement, but still something that we're dealing with in baseball here today. Now, MLB has these 60-man player pools, and they're starting off with a 30-man roster for the first couple weeks, then they go down to 28, and then 26, and and eventually I think they settle in on 25, Cody. Since they're so deep with players, I understand the fact that some of the guys in in that pool are not ready for this, and they're not uh, big leaguers, so to speak, like some of the others, but... Couldn't a team have just taken players that were nowhere near this uh, situation and assume that for uh, you know a couple of days, if not longer, could have then been uh, acting big leaguers to try to keep things on schedule, or would that have just been a bad idea? I, it depends, because a lot of these players in these player pools are young prospects, um, high-ranking young prospects. Not unlike, uh, I believe, Nick Gonzalez, who just got drafted in the first round this year, is currently in that 60-man player pool with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, which is very surprising to me because you, the way things are going, the way we're seeing in Miami, they, these, player, these player pool spots are very, very important and might get used. And if you're taking a guy that you just drafted and you put him in the big leagues, that means you started his clock roughly five, six years before you even had to. So it, it, there's a lot of roster movement, a lot of roster decisions, decisions that have to be made right now that are in the long term not necessarily beneficial for the organization and quite frankly might not be beneficial for the players either think about how many triple-a ball players that played for the marlins last season are currently without a job that they're not part of the player pool and they're just sitting home, uh, unfortunately, having to wait this one out. Guys that could easily, I'm sure, be playing um, and, and have an opportunity to contribute, but ultimately are kind of the casualty of, of what we've seen this season. There's quite a few. Not just the Marlins, everyone. I mean, the Padres, look at that Suwama's lineup last year. There's probably multiple guys that were on that team that could easily help a major league franchise right now. Some of them are still under contract. They're getting paid $400 a week by the San Diego Padres, but... 
you know, they have nowhere to go. Right now, the Marlins are in this situation to get those players. They have to trade somebody or they have to buy those players. Uh, it's, it's a tricky situation. It's unprecedented. They thought the 60-man pool would be more than enough, and quite frankly, it doesn't, it's looking like it's not. I think if they utilized it different, it could, meaning they had more AAA guys on that uh, roster that are capable of, of filling in with injuries or, or uh, positive tests. But a lot of teams didn't go in that direction. A lot of teams went, like you said, with younger, inexperienced minor leaguers that want, they wanted that. They'd rather have a, a developmental summer in these complexes versus just sitting home and not uh, doing anything and, and not having a chance yeah, to, to quite, just quite, quite stay working. It was extremely short-sighted. The teams that did bring up really young top prospects to go and basically treat it like a developmental camp. Uh, I'm sorry, you might need every one of those 60 players, not to mention if a player goes on COVID, you put, uh, gets out due to COVID, I believe you could add players to that 60-man player pool. But the moment somebody comes off of COVID, you have to release those players from the player pool. I don't even think you can demote them. I think they have to be released. Makes it that much worse. Really does. Now, if baseball's having issues like this after four or five days, what's going to happen when football season starts here, supposedly uh, in September? At this point, I simply cannot fathom how we're going to have football. Uh, Basketball, you know, doing the bubble, provided they keep the bubble as safe as possible, that has a shot at working. It has a shot. Not much of one, but it has a shot. All it takes is one player to do do something wrong and make a terrible mistake, like you're seeing with um, uh, Lou from the the Clippers. He, uh, you know, he he went to a strip club. What are you thinking? That is purely irresponsible behavior, and now he's being investigated and put into a forced um, uh, quarantine. Major League Baseball doesn't have a bubble. They didn't create a bubble. They. I'm not sure how they're expecting this to go well because there are so many moving parts and so many moving variables. Uh, not unlike football. I don't know how they're going to get this done, provided we don't have a, a vaccine or a very, very substantial treatment. I'm with you on that one. And that's why you know, we haven't heard yet from the Big 12, the SEC, or the ACC officially. We've only heard so far from the Pac-12 and the Big 10. But uh, college would seem even more difficult than the pros because ultimately you're asking 18 to 23- or 24-year-old student-athletes to stay as isolated as possible and either take online classes, uh, you know, strictly st- uh, stick to games and practice for your football team and or, or other sports, and that's it. And that's... I mean, you know college athletes these days and, and college uh, students in general. That's, that's, that's unrealistic. It's impossible. You can't expect a, a young 18-year-old male or female to just act perfect at college at all times. And, you know, you're asking quite a bit of young student athletes to, you know, not just ask them to go play, but in certain respects kind of make them play, you know, without the exception of, possibly losing their scholarship. That's, this is a tricky situation. Um, this has multiple, multiple layers to it. And I, the, the, it's scary that the NCAA is still playing the wait-and-see game because we're watching M- the NFL play wait-and-see, and it is not going well. Um, they still have no protocols in place at this moment. And that's 
criminal, in my opinion. Didn't they get a chance to watch Major League Baseball and the owners uh, go through three months of absolute nightmarish health field to not realize you should probably put something in place? You would think. You would think. All right. Cody, before we wrap things up with you, a couple of quick notes. The Padres are off to a good start so far this season. That's uh, you know nice to see, especially for a lot of Chihuahuas fans that have been rooting for the Padres the last five, six years. We've had some major injuries, by the way. Verlander said he's not done yet, but he's down. You know, you've got Kluber out four weeks with a shoulder injury. Today, we also heard that uh, the Blue Jays uh, will be without uh, their closer, who's got elbow issues right now, and uh, nobody knows for sure if Giles will, will need Tommy John and and this is just the first few days of the season. I mean, you kind of wonder um, what would you say is the best if you had to put a percentage. What would you say is the percentage chance you think baseball can get through a sixty game season in a playoff right now? Right now, I'd have it closer to around twenty five percent. You we didn't even get into the injury aspect of this entire thing which is also problematic. We actually saw this. Uh, the beta test for this was actually the KBO. Uh, the KBO injuries skyrocketed uh, once the season started. No COVID, but plenty of injuries because pitchers weren't prepared. Position players weren't prepared to go out and play nine innings every single day because that summer camp was really short. You got guys literally off the couch to come on out. I love Austin the Hedges to death, but I saw a photo of him at a party to which I said, wow, Austin needs to get back in shape. And he's got three days to do it. Um, so it's it's just one of those things where injuries are going to skyrocket right now. I'm really worried about pitchers' arms and their workload for for the time being. And hopefully I'm wrong. I, I don't want to see a single guy get hurt, but it's going to happen. How will we get through this season? I think the COVID numbers are going to be the thing that determines whether or not we get through this season, not the injury bug. But... The actual injuries that are going to take place, I think it's going to be a high number. And hopefully it's nothing substantial or serious. Awesome. All right. Well, look, I'm happy uh, you're spending weekends here. If you haven't had a chance to listen yet uh, to uh, Cody and Swings and Misses at Radio.com, do so. You'll have a good laugh. Very entertaining. Very informative. It's a it's a good sports show, and you can even watch it as well as listen to it. And uh, it's always nice to get a chance to catch up with you. And uh, appreciate you joining us here on the show today. Talk a little baseball. It's nice. No, thank you so much for having me on. You're the best, Cap. Cody Decker, as we keep things moving, 42 pass. We'll come back with more right after ABC 7 News. That's uh, coming up next with Adrian Ochoa here on 600 TSPN El Paso. Back on Sports Talk as we continue, 20 past the hour. Joining us live right now is UTEP football head coach Dana Dimmel. Now, I know uh, this is not uh, the Eagles or Journey. Um, this was uh, Head East, but it's such an iconic song, Coach. Hopefully, it will um, be good enough to get our, our uh, daily uh, segment going today here on Sports Talk. No doubt. No complaints. I've been appreciating all the lead-up music. It's been fantastic, guys. It's been awesome. How was the weekend for you, Coach? It was good. Yeah, it was good. You know, we're actually doing walkthroughs on Saturdays now, which is we can do walk days six six days a week. So we actually had a walkthrough with them Saturday morning, and that went well, you know. So it's a lot of football for these guys. I think, Cap, we only have five guys taking classes right now. 
Um, and um, so they're pretty much locked into just purely football at this point. So we got their full attention. You know, it's really uh, kind of, you know, like training camp more than it is like traditional summer school time because uh, most of our guys are already got almost every one of them's already got themselves eligible and ready to go. So it's been a good time and good walk through. We had a really good one just now. And uh, that went well too. When does summer two end? Summer two ends uh, next Monday. So not very far away. We're really close. It's this upcoming a week from today. Excellent. All right. That's good news. Now I'm curious before we get into our remaining positions uh, with the news today about the Miami Marlins and the, and the positive test. We've talked about this coach. Um, we wonder, you know, we're seeing how hard it is with baseball trying to navigate through four days after their season started. Yeah. And we're still wondering about pro football, college football, and, and how this whole thing is going to be pulled off because you really need not just um, your players to be so committed on the field, but they've got to be committed off the field to where they don't jeopardize themselves or anybody else. And, and that's, that is such a tough thing to ask of, of 18 to 23-year-old men. Well, you know, stats, you know, obviously I, I learned one this weekend that uh, 46% of the cases in El Paso are age group 20 to 30. And so I talked to our team about that uh, Saturday morning and said, listen, guys, it's your age group that's the highest, uh, you know, age group because 46 percent coming out of just 10 a, a decade of age right there so that's a that's a big skew of numbers and so they got to be careful and we're practicing all the things that we need to do to keep ourselves healthy but um it can come into your program in so many different ways that uh, you just never know it's very true very true well hopefully the players listen to you they 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 get the message. They deal with that, and everything then can just uh, can hopefully go smooth sailing from there. So we'll have to yeah. wait and see one, what happens. One more, one more thing on that cap. So this is why I got you know a, an audience is so much of it comes from just conversation. You know, so much of the virus is spread from just conversation of talking and through your mouth without wearing masks. And so it really is crazy about how important it is to keep your mask on, you know, and uh, I know it can be uncomfortable at times, but uh, that's the key. And that's what we're stressed. If you went to our walkthrough today and saw it, every one of the players have their mask pulled up over their nose uh, completely, even though they're, they're, they're doing football activities. So we're really trying to get it spread and hopefully we'll continue to improve on that each and every day. Does UTEP have a professor that's an infectious disease expert that has uh, you've ultimately consulted with uh, in the last uh, three to four months on this? Oh, yeah, Robert Moss on campus. You know, he's the authority, and so he stays on top of and advises all of us, and he does a tremendous job with that. And, and uh, so it's very, we're very educated on what we need to do and, and mostly don't do. Uh, in this. So Robert Moss is our person on campus that directs us and all that. Fantastic. All right. We got two positions left. What would you like to tackle first today, coach? What do you think? Where are we going to go with this one, Cap? What's your thoughts? Oh, I know exactly where you're going, but I, I just <laughs> want to make sure that you confirm it before it's all said and done. Okay. We're going to go to the defensive line. Yep. Thank you. I would have, uh, I, yep. I could have won a lot of money on that bet today, but that's yeah, good, Coach. Yeah. I figured you would have saved quarterbacks for last. So Yeah, quarterbacks for last and keep the offense defense rotation going. That was 
this one was pretty obvious. Uh, the defensive line, you know, we've got to talk about defensive ends and defensive tackles. We've got to talk about even and odd packages. Um, and so we'll start off with the even packages we've talked a lot about and just talk about pure defensive ends. And, and we'll talk about the personnel just from an even package. And then, uh, but it could change as we go in and out of our odd stuff. And in our walkthrough today, we definitely worked on, on both. Um, starting a defensive end, praise Amahule is is the really the the guy I'm super excited about on our defensive line. He's he's up to 245 pounds. Uh, looked really good today in his workout. I think he runs extremely well for his size. He started as a true freshman or the redshirt freshman last year. Did a great job for us. He's really the bell cow of the defensive line. I think he could be an all conference type of player for us. At the other defensive end positions, Josh Ortega, who's you know, really improved each and every year and can be a, uh, absolutely an outstanding player for us at that other spot this year. I really feel good about what Josh can bring to the table as he's got himself so much more mobile and athletic in his time here. So those two are the starters, but we've developed a lot of depth there with Daylon Williams, one of our new JUCO guys from Independence. He's up to 260-some pounds, looks really, really good. At the defensive end position, Jadrian Taylor is a defensive end from Kilgore that looks really, really good at the other defensive end spot. So I feel like we're too deep there uh, with those guys, and, and there's not any drop-off between the ones and the twos, really, you know, except for I think Praise really is standing above everybody with, with his ability, and Josh is doing a great job, too. So, And then we go third string right now. Armani Brown is a guy that we uh, redshirted last year out of Refurio that we feel really, really, really good about. I think he's got a chance to really help us. And then Mike Ike is a freshman, a true freshman we brought in from Pflugerville that kind of plays into that same mode. He just looks like a power five type of defensive lineman. So I'm excited about those six at the DN position. And at the, D, at the defensive tackle, defensive end is Blake Thompson, another player that's really coming up in our program and doing some really good things. He's going to play mostly DN, but can play some D tackle and the even stuff as well. So a lot of depth there, and, and uh, they look good as we're running this morning. You know, they're the 630 group, the O-line, the D-line. And then going inside, Keenan Stewart is one of our new three-for-three three junior college transfers that can power clean 375 pounds and runs really well. He's about 310, 315, and he runs really well for his size. I really like what he brings to the table. Kelton Moss was a guy that we beat some other schools in the conference on in recruiting. At Nose Tackle, he'd actually committed to another school in the conference, and we got him to decommit. He's a uh, D-tackle from Kilgore that I like a lot, Cap. I think he just really uh, can be a tremendous player for us. Dedrick Simpson's a guy that started as a true freshman here a couple years ago that's, you know, battling at that spot, you know, as an in, at an inside position. We've brought in some guys. We brought in Dresden McIver-Brown, a D-tackle from San Antonio that was super twitchy on film, a big, made a lot of plays, and he's really got his body looking good. He's 282 pounds. He's a true freshman. Uh, he looks, you know, really, really exciting. Jalen Rudolph is a D-tackle we redshirted last year that uh, could have played a bunch for us last year, but since we had those two seniors, we decided to redshirt him, and he really probably could have, you know, really challenged for a starting spot last year. He's in heavy into the rotation there as well at D-tackle spot. And then we got um, Sione Tonga-Ua, who is a – 
young man that was a 260-pound linebacker in high school out of Phoenix Mesa, and now he's up to 280 and runs really, really well. He's in camp now looking looking really good. And then Fernando Reyes, who's a local product uh, uh, from uh, – just outside of El Paso that uh, we ended up redshirt last year. He got a knee injury and we redshirt him and he's back. So tons of depth on the defensive line. And I was just telling Coach Neely, we got all these guys and nobody's hardly seen any of them play except for the first couple that I mentioned and Josh and, and Praise and then Dedrick's played a little bit. The rest of them are all newcomers uh, or redshirts that look really, really good at the position. In terms of just being able to acclimate themselves to the to the D one game at, at your level, since a lot of them are JUCO players, I mean, how difficult is it? Since, like you said, they they lack game experience. Is is there a tough transition at this position uh, into uh, in, you know into uh, UTEP's uh, schemes? Cap, as I sit there and watch our guys work out today, I I just look at the talent that we have now. And I really say that I'm like the talent level is so much, so much improved from where it was two years ago when we got here. It's not even close. Now the thing is these guys just got to get game experience. You know what I mean? That's part of turning a program around. Now, you know, you got a bunch of new faces in the program, a bunch of new guys with a lot of ability, and now they just got to learn on the run and get better every every game that we play. And that's my whole mindset. Today I'm like, ah, the talent's here now. We just got to get experience with this talent. They got to learn on the run. More with Coach Dimmel as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, bottom of the hour, let's send it to Adrian. He's got a Sports Center update for us. Adrian, thank you very much. We've got uh, UTEP head football coach Dana Dimmel back with us uh, talking about uh, defensive linemen today. Now, you said something uh, early on in that conversation that I picked up on, and you mentioned uh, playing with uh, an odd package as well as an even package. Now, we thought this season the defense was moving to a a a four a four down lineman scheme a four three, but I know that you have multiple packages with three linebackers and two linebackers. I wasn't uh, aware that there could be times that you might stick to three defensive linemen instead of four, like we've seen the first couple of years. I believe so. I believe we will. I mean, I know we will. But it, it, it's just I was just thinking about that today at the workout. How many different angles and perception you can create when you're in the odd stuff as well as the even and the odd stuff you can create a lot of different eye looks for the quarterbacks and get to different coverages and get guys in different holes and and that's why so many people have gone to the odd uh against the spread offenses just because it, it allows you to defend the whole field at times better and so we want to you know have the best of both worlds we can create some great pass rush from some true defensive ends and then B, we want to be able to, you know, get some second, more secondary talent out there. And um, and then a lot of it's going to be how we play in each package, Cap. You know, if we're playing a lot better because our personnel is better when we're in the even, then we'll do, you know, quite a bit more even. And if we're doing much better in the odd, it's nice to be able to have both and, ha- and keep them simple enough that your players can learn them. And, uh, and I think we've really spent some time saying, okay, how can we be do, do both, but, but don't do too much, you know, and that's the key point. So you believe we could see some four three fours, some four two fives, and then reverse it. We could see some three four uh three four fours and potentially some uh we could also see some uh three three fives out there. Yep, some exactly. And it's all kind of based on 
on how we how our personnel is playing and how a particular package matches up against what the tendencies of an offense might create for you. You know, so much of defensive uh, study is based on offensive tendencies, and offenses are so tendency-prone, and you have so much at your exposure now uh, to be able to really pull out strong tendencies uh, by all the, you know, quantitative analysis that we have right now. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, I can go back and, you know, you could go back 12, 12 years. I can go back 12 years and find out, you know, the what the defensive coordinator for Louisiana Tech has a tendency to do in his last 12 years of calling defenses. I mean, it's amazing the type of analytical studies you can do on people nowadays. Let me send it back to Adrian. He's got some questions for you, Coach. Hey, Coach, uh, jumping over to the sacks, a part of the uh, part of the defensive line. That was one of the parts where you all struggled last year and, yeah. and just pressuring the quarterback. How do you emphasize pressuring the quarterback this upcoming season? Yeah, that was a big issue for us last year. We just didn't create any turnovers or sacks, A or B. No, no, not very disruptive, um, you know, to what we were doing. And so I think playing the even stuff can allow some of the speed guys like Praise, Daylon Williams, some Jadrian Taylor, some of those guys, uh, Armani Brown that I talked about, some of those guys to be able to create some looks off the edge with their speed and their athleticism that we can get some heavy pass rush on people. So that's one of the reasons we want to be able to play the even package. And with Praise Amehuli kind of leading the way as far as the defensive front, how do you how do you talk with him about dealing with kind of being the center stage player? Now, def- now uh, opposing teams will have at least a little bit of a, a, a you know a note that he's going to be the guy who really tries to get after the quarterback and might put two players on him and try to double up on him. So, what do you what do you do to work with him to kind of avoid those double teams and and get through still and and cause some havoc in the backfield? Yeah, uh, A, I think we get better at other spots around them, better pass rushers from our inside guys, you know, which will allow them, them to not be able to double-team him uh, near as much. And then with Praise, he really loves to play football. Uh, you know, he, he works out at a high, high level. He was winning a lot of the sprints today, and he loves to practice. He's got a lot of those intangibles. That's why I talk so high about him. Sometimes coaches are leery about talking high about guys, you know, too early in their career. But I never do that if a guy likes to practice and likes to work and wants to be good and is self-motivated, and that's what Praise has. So that's going to be his, you know, key ingredient. That's going to be his secret sauce, I feel like. And then us just getting really good around him will keep people from doubling. When we do the odd stuff, you know, Adrian, then he gets in there with offensive tackles in a box where you have to translate, you know, you have to transition from – from the odd stance into a pass rush mode. And that's the hardest thing about rushing, pass rushing in the odd is you're in that defensive, more of a, a, a neutral stance. And now you got, and sometimes you're in a four eye and now you got to transition out to a five eye once you real out to a five, once you realize it's pass and get, and then transition into attacking the quarterback. So that's where the even front will help him because he can tilt a little bit, get straight, you know, aim straight at the quarterback, key that tackle set, and come off the ball with some more urgency to him. 
How important was it, Coach, to keep Mike Cox on board as defensive coordinator and allow him a third year, especially knowing now that you're moving into odd and even coverages, to really try to make the defense as multiple as you can make it? Yeah, I think it's important uh, to keep your staff continuity. It's not always easy to do. You know what I mean? Continuity nowadays in the way college football has changed is not – an easy thing to do. And so the players need continuity. They need that, you know. And so I I think it's just important that we're not changing all of our terminology and all that stuff every other year or something. That never leads to success because then you're coaching coaches all the time and and the coaches are learning as they go instead of having, you know, Mike who's really got it all, you know, down and pat for us and, and uh, is a really good football coach. You know, I, I think that the players can see how good of a coach he is and how much he knows his football. So it's an, it's nice to have Mike back. Since this is our last defensive position that we're covering, I thought that it's important to note that one of the things you've told me a lot in conversations both on the air and off the air is you really believe that uh, as a whole it is going to be a much improved defensive unit and the fans are going to be excited with what they see here in 2020. I do. I think it's going to be what they saw initially in the first year and then just progressing from that, you know, defensively uh, with what we can bring to the table. And I think we'll get better every Saturday, you know, because we got the talent. It's just these guys learning, you know, how to play at this level uh, and use that talent and maturing and understanding the different nuances that offenses will show you. And we spent a lot of time with that today, you know, mixing up formations, changing looks, uh, so they could adjust to all that. But just the pure talent that we have is going to be so much better, and the guys are going to play with a lot of discipline and a lot of intensity. I feel really good about both those aspects of our program right now. Terrific. Coach, we'll look forward to uh, wrapping us up with you tomorrow. But in the meantime, thanks for the time today, and uh, good stuff getting an opportunity to really uh, dissect uh, your defense position by position. Yeah, it's been good. You know, there's a lot of versatility to what we can do with the personnel we have right now, Cap. So always great talking to you guys, and and we'll we'll talk about uh, it'll be a surprise for what position we got uh, tomorrow. (laughs) Looking forward to it. All right, (laughs) perfect. He's head coach Dana Dimmel joining us here on Sports Talk. We'll come back, uh, wrap up hour two of three. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.